Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, my faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. Uh, years ago, I was ministering to folks in a place called uh, Healing School, and Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, and uh, I had a person there that was there for, I guess, about eight weeks, uh, every day, Monday through Friday. And they had been diagnosed with terminal cancer in, in the last stages. And, um, uh, you know, with just a short amount of time of life expectancy. But after those uh, that eight weeks, you know, that um, uh, two months virtually, uh, they got a completely clean bill of health. <laughs> And uh, somebody asked them, they said, what, what happened to you? What happened to you over there? They said, uh, I guess I got so full of faith, there was no more room for the cancer. <laughs> and that is an accurate description because um, you don't just need to hear something for a few minutes and that's it. You're set forever the rest of your life. Just like your body needs continual feeding of natural food, your spirit needs to be fed. And uh, you can, by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing these things, like what we're doing in faith school, your confidence begins to increase. And you don't even realize the fullness of it. It can happen gradually over a period of time and you not realize you're seeing things differently than you used to. You're responding to things differently than you used to. And this happens over a period of time. You need to be in a good church where you get fed regularly. You need to read scripture yourself on a regular basis. And especially if you've been hit with something in an area, you need to get extra input on that. Like if, if you need healing, you need extra input on healing at least for a season, and um, uh, when you see that you're full of fear, you're shaken, you're rattled, you feel defeated, well, that means your faith is low, low, or non-existent. Well, when you hear something and see something, ministry that encourages you and ministers to you, well, uh, hear that again, <laughs> right? Feed on that again, read that again, listen to that again, watch that again, and you need to do it over and over and over again until it pushes the questioning and the skepticism and the wondering and the doubting and the fear out of you until you are full of faith. <laughs> then you'll see amazing things happen in your life. Things will change. Get your Bible, come on into the class, and let's let that happen today. Father, in Jesus' name, all of us agree together touching this, asking you for utterance, for anointing, for direction, for answers and help, and we receive it gladly, and we purpose to act on it and do it, incorporate it into our life, our lifestyle. Help us to see things through your eyes, your priorities your values, and in any area that we have thought wrong or been ignorant or believed wrong, we're willing to be corrected by your word, by your spirit, by you. We receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you for helping us. Amen. Amen. 
Look in the scriptures again to our study of this healing of the paralyzed man in Jesus' ministry. Matthew 9, Mark 2, Luke 5. Let's look at Matthew 9 again. Matthew 9 and verse 1, it tells that Jesus entered into a ship, passed over, came to his own city. Behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven you. Behold, certain of the scribes within themselves said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say your sins be forgiven you or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Do you believe this really happened? This, yes. this is not a fairy tale. This happened. If it happened here, can it happen again? Yes. Is it God's will that it, well, why did he give this to us? So that we'd believe it, so that we would see more things like this happen. In Mark 2, reading Mark's account of this, verse 1. Again he entered into Capernaum after some days. It was noise that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When he could not, they could not come near to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven you. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Your sins be forgiven you, or to say, Arise and take up your bed and walk. Which one's easier? But that you may know. That the Son of Man has power or authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go your way into your house. And immediately he arose and took up his bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And then finally in Luke, the fifth chapter, let's read Luke's account. You get different details in each one of these. You put them all together, all three, you get a fuller picture. Luke 5 and verse uh, 17. It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, you know, Luke brings this up, and you don't see this emphasized in the others, that uh, healing power was actually there ready in the house before the man came in from the outside. And the power wasn't just there to heal the outsider that was coming. It was there present to heal them. Them who? The doctors of the law, the Pharisees, the people that were sitting there in the house. 
Behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with the palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. When they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop, let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven. And I'm sure that made the man happy. What do you think? (laughs) Well, he had faith. We know by his response to the next thing that Jesus told him that he received this part too. And even though some of the other folks, the scribes and the Pharisees, they didn't like it. They, they took exception to that. Yet this man's happy, right? He, he feels relief. Jesus wouldn't have said this to him if it wasn't pertinent. If the man didn't have sin consciousness that he needed to get rid of. If the man didn't have a sense of shame and guilt that was actually possibly in a fear with him responding to Jesus' command that he's about to give him. Because you need to be bold to act in faith. And righteousness consciousness is what makes you bold. You got to get free from the condemnation and guilt. And when Jesus told him, your sins are forgiven, he's a happy camper. He's still laying there on his, uh, uh, you know, paralyzed on his couch bed thing, they called it. But inside, he's a free man, free from shame, free from guilt, free from condemnation. And so they, uh, you know, these religious leaders, they found fault and they they said, uh, who is this? that speaks blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God alone? God only. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said to them, Why reason ye in your hearts? We need to distinguish between reason and revelation. They are not the same thing. Revelation is not the result of something you figured out. Revelation is something that was revealed to you or just shown to you, made known to you. Reasoning, on the other hand, is just what you're doing with your head and with your intellect. And he's, he's telling them, quit doing that. And I'm going to help you with this. Which one's easier? He, he said, why reason you in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins be forgiven you or to say rise and walk. Now, this is something you'll see all through the Word of God. In fact, hold your place here and go over to the book of James. James, the fifth chapter, and the 14th verse. James 5, 14. He said, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Well, now hold on, hold on, hold on. What if it's not God's will for him to be healed? Huh? Then why are we going through all this and praying and anointing with oil? And what if God sent it on them to teach them something or develop their piety? No. Is any sick among you? Would that include any (laughs) sick (laughs) for whatever reason, right? (laughs) Then what? Anybody that's sick can do this. And the prayer of faith shall save 
the sick. That's that word we talked about a few weeks ago, sozo. Sozo. And Jesus used it interchangeably in people being saved from their sins or being saved from sickness. He used it both ways. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Same prayer. Same time. Right? Why? Which one's easier? Well, they're the same. Everybody say the same. They're, same. They're the, what do you mean? They were both Let's back up. If there never had been any sin, there would never have been any sickness. Hmm? It's because of Adam and Eve's sin way back at the garden that death came in. And if there had never been any death, there would never have been any curse in the earth and all of the aging and the decay and the disease, none of that existed prior to sin and the fall and death. When God created Adam and Eve and he created all the earth and heavens and the earth, the Bible said he looked at everything and said, behold, it is very good. Can you look at cancer and AIDS and say, behold, it's very good? No, it wasn't there. So sickness, poverty, the curse, Every evil bad thing came as a result of sin and the fall. Well, did Jesus come to fix the sin problem? He became sin with our sin and was judged for it on the cross. Well, if you solved the problem that caused the sickness, why isn't the sickness problem fixed too? It is. I said it is. Whether you believe it or not, it is. And that's why when he said you pray for these people that are sick and if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven too. It can work that way or it can work the other way. Can you see Jesus said your sins are forgiven and then the man's healed. Here the people want to be healed. Okay, you're healed and your sins are forgiven too. Can you see this class? Now the devil hates this and he has convinced most of the church that yeah, forgiveness of sin that's the gospel and Jesus paid the price. But healing, oh, that's a side thing. That's a side thing. God could do it if he wanted to, but usually he doesn't and we don't know why. But no, 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 no. Healing's not a side message. Healing is part and parcel of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, there was a special part of the work of redemption that was just for solving the sickness problem. What was it? Jesus went to the cross. He went somewhere else before he went to the cross. He went to the whipping post where he was scourged. You remember that? Did he have to do that to go to the cross? No, that was part of Jesus paid for the price, spirit and soul and body. And the scripture tells us that he took our infirmities, our weaknesses. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains and by his stripes, our bruises, we're healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just like he hung on the cross and was made sin with our sin, just like uh, the, the thorns were jammed down into his, his skin and his scalp and the chastisement of our peace was on him. 
You could see the physical thing happening. What you couldn't see was behind the scenes the spiritual source and cause of all sin and all sickness and all grief and mental anguish and sorrow. All of that was laid on Jesus at the scourging and the mock trial and the crucifixion. And when he raised from the death, or before, before he breathed his last, he said, it is finished. Hallelujah. Do you believe it is finished? I mean, he doesn't need to do one other thing to get you healed or get you delivered. It was bought. It was paid for in the redemptive work. And when he was raised from the dead, free from sin, sickness, all of that stuff, all of the curse, now he didn't do it for himself. He didn't need it for himself. It is available to us. Forgiveness. Peace, restoration, healing, strength. I know not everybody believes it, and they won't be bothered with it. But I believe it, and I'm enjoying it. How about you? And faith class believes it too. This is not a new thing in the Scripture. Let me read some Scriptures to you uh, that that prophesied this, that, that foretold this. Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. You don't have to turn to these. I'll just read them to you. Psalm 103, 2 and 3 said, Bless the Lord. O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Same verse. Same verse. Who has a right to take their theological religious cleaver and plunge it in the middle of this verse and say, oh yeah, he'll forgive all your sins, but no, he may not heal your diseases. And especially, he won't heal all your diseases. Well, now, who are you? Who are you? Get your little cleaver out of here. No. No. We want this verse together. We want it like it was written. Go, oh, somebody say it, out, say it out loud. Forget not. Forget not. All his benefits. All his benefits. There's more than one benefit. More than one benefit. Say it out loud. He forgives. He forgives. All. My iniquities. Is there a sin he won't forgive from you? No, no. He forgives all, all, all. No matter how many times you need to come to him and receive forgiveness, can you count on him, right? His forgiveness and and, and the ability of you to receive that forgiveness. What about the rest of the verse? I said, how about the rest of the verse? Say it out loud. He forgives all my iniquities. What else? What else? What else? He heals all my diseases. Say it again. He heals all my diseases. Is this what Jesus was talking about when he said, which one's easier? Why? They're together. They, I mean, sin and sickness were together from the beginning. And now forgiveness and healing. They're together. They're the solution. They're the redemption. In Isaiah 53 that we quoted earlier, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. This is the NIV. He was crushed for our iniquities, pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. Healed right in the middle of forgiven and cleansed. Forgiven and healed. Jeremiah 17, 14. 
in the NIV says it like this. He said, heal me, O Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me, and I'll be saved. <laughs> in the same, see, the prophet is prophesying, and he didn't even put them in a different book. He didn't even put them in a different chapter. He puts them in the same verse. There's not even a period in between them. Heal me, O Lord, I'll be healed. Save me, I'll be saved. Forgiven and healed. Somebody say forgiven, forgiven. And, healed. and healed. Forgiven and healed. Go back to this in, in, in Luke 5. That's what they, they said. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who is this that speaks blasphemies? And you will run into this religious indignation. Uh, the, the, the moment you start walking like Jesus has intended for you to walk, you start acting and talking, and praying, and believing, following his example. The moment you do that, religious people will go, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And and when you dare to rebuke the enemy, and you dare to rebuke a fever, or you dare to tell somebody that shows faith, you're forgiven, uh, or, or to proclaim over somebody or yourself, you're healed in Jesus. Oh, who do you think you are? That's the enemy getting upset and getting agitated because he knows if you keep finding out who you are, you are just going to mess up his work. You're going to tear up his playhouse. The anointing will remove burdens and destroy yokes when people are bold enough, confident enough, conscious of righteousness and faith and authority enough to act like Jesus. I said to act like Jesus. Act like Jesus. And to say like this, you're forgiven. You're healed. Which one's easier? To say your sins be forgiven you? Or to say rise up, get up, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man, not not Son of God, Son of man. And we saw in Matthew, the last verse said, they they were marveling that God had given such authority to men. To men. The the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, arise, take up your couch, go to your house. And immediately he got up. He rose up before them, took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. (laughs) Come on, can you see it? Can you see it? They let this guy on his stretcher down into the front. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And then there's this tension throughout the room. Everybody's wondering, you know, these uh, doctors of the law are staring holes through Jesus. Who does he think he is? And then Jesus, Jesus said, get up, boy, get up. Take your mat and go to your house. He jumps up. He shouldn't be able to do this. He jumps up. He's free. And Luke tells us, he departed to his own house, glorifying God. You could hear that boy shouting all the way down to the road. Well, I guess it's time to shout. What do you think? It's time to shout. He's shouting. He's glorifying God. We heard him go, whoo, glory to God. Glory to God. Why? He is not crippled. He is not paralyzed. He is not weak. He's got full use of his body, his legs, his feet. He's carrying himself home. He's toting his bed on his back. (laughs) 
glorious. Somebody say glorifying God. Glorifying God. Glorifying God. Not a word is said about that paralysis glorifying God. Or about all those years he was incapacitated or unable. That doesn't glorify God. That's the work of the enemy. That, that stole something from him. That destroyed something in his life. That killed something in him. Jesus said it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But when the power of God showed up, when the work of God was manifested, now what do we read about? He's glorifying God. They're glorifying God. Is that right? God's works glorify God. Forgiveness glorifies God, not the sin. Healing glorifies God, not the sickness. Provision glorifies God, not the lack. Protection glorifies God, not the failure, not being destroyed. And the Bible said they were all amazed and they glorified God. That word amazed uh, has the connotation of being out of your mind. Just being, they, we would say they were blown away. <laughs> they were blown. How many would like to see some more folks blown away in our generation and in our time? It is possible to those that believe. And the more we feed on this and the more we think this and the more we act like this, don't think this can't happen in your life, child of God. That's why we've been talking about this for all these days. This is supposed to happen in your life, where you are, where you live, in your churches, in your ministries. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Somebody say, I I receive it. I believe it. I accept it in Jesus' name. Praise God. And our time's up again. Say it out loud. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome the world by faith. I'm strong in faith giving glory to God. So enjoyed being with you again this week. We'll see you again next time right here in Faith School. Really enjoyed being with you again this week here in Faith School. And as you can tell, we're getting stirred up about our authority and about speaking in faith. Uh, I was reminded of Luke 6.38 where it said, Give. It'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. We need to be bold to proclaim that if we're givers, it is given to us. I know a lot of you are partners with this ministry. That's how we're able to send this out all over at no charge to the recipient. And you want to proclaim and say, I am a giver, and because I'm a giver, it is given to me. It comes back in. You never want to say, well, nobody ever gives me anything because your words would just be blocking and actually contradicting what the Lord said. He didn't say nobody ever gives you anything. He said, if you're a giver, then people will give to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So say that out loud. Say it out loud. I'm a giver. And because I am, people are all the time giving to me money, favor, things, deals. It's coming back to me multiplied, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Say it when it comes to to your mind. People are all the time giving to me. Why? Because I'm a giver. Thank you for your partnership. If you're not a partner, you want to become one, there's information at the bottom of the screen. We'll see you next time right here in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today. 
But you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.